Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's going on out there, Diardro Show fans? This is Brian Diardo, the one half of the Diardro Show. Second half, probably the better second, better half will be joining us as well. Going to talk some college football, going to talk some NBA a little bit. I mean, it's a little early in the season, but we'll probably hit up some NBA, do some Cavs talk. I know that Dwayne Wade today said he's going to go to the bench and J.R. Smith is going to be starter again. And uh, Cavaliers won opening night, and I know they won their second game and they just had their first loss of the season. So they are 2-1 and one in the young season. They're going to be playing tomorrow night. Blue Jackets off to a, a good start. They gave up a lot of goals, though, on Saturday. And they'll be playing again on Wednesday. Ohio State seven-point favorites to uh, against Penn State at home. So uh, Penn State, no losses, number two ranked team in the country. So a lot of interesting games on the slate here this week, a big sports week. And I think this is why this has become my favorite time of year, because the sports right now, uh, except for the World Series, there's really not anything new titles necessarily at stake right now, but there's still a lot of things to talk about, uh, which is really, really cool. So the, the the moments that set up the championship moments down the line. So once again, this is the Giardro Show. Brian Rosen will be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. We haven't done one of these in a long time. Uh, haven't done one probably in uh, three or four months. So it's fun. It'll be fun to talk to Brian again and see how he's doing and uh, talk some sports with him. Cleveland Browns off to a rough start. Pittsburgh Steelers uh, on a good start, off to a 5-2 and two start. NFL, never, never short of storylines, the national anthem, all that stuff. Most of that stuff I don't like. And uh, Brian's joining us now. As I said, the second half of the Giardro show is probably the better half joining us. I filibustered for a couple of minutes, Brian, but glad to have you on. How you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. I, I needed to try to promote this, so we'll see if uh, anybody is interested in calling in right now. But uh, – Life's good. It's wild. We haven't done this in a really, really long time. I think that's what that's what baseball did. Uh, so yeah, it's been a, been a while. Been a while. I, I I watched the playoffs from afar. Yeah, man, it really was. I watched the playoffs from afar, and uh, my Pirates they actually finished right where you said they would. You said they were a mid seventies win team. They won seventy five games. So <laughs> they finished exactly yeah. where where I think realistically they should have they should have lasted. They ended the season on a positive note, though. I think they won eight out of their last 11. McCushion uh, had a really, really good season, really good bounce-back season. I actually saw them play three times this season. They were 3-0. and So I uh, saw them in the uh, training camp or spring training, and then on, once at home and once in San Francisco. So uh, that's about as positive as I can spin on a 75-87 and 87 season. Uh, but the story was, you know, we couldn't beat the Reds. Uh, we lost the season series against them, and uh, Cubs handled us pretty well. We did okay against the against the Cardinals, but the Cubs just they manhandled us. So, but yeah, man, uh, I know baseball was a lot more fun for you, though. I mean, that, that winning streak the Indians went on, and, and I watched the the last one with Bruce. Man, I mean, just a crazy, crazy season for the Indians. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's uh, not so, something I'm dying to talk about, in all honesty, <laughs> just because it's. Uh... That was very frustrating, and uh, it, it sucks to not get to watch them anymore, uh, especially after being so close to winning the World Series. But it is what it is. Not uh, you know, it's not. Uh, we're going to be back. We'll be great. And uh, as long as there's something to move on to, I'm always good. And and I root for four teams. Three of them are championship contenders, and two of them are in season with the Buckeyes football team and the Cavs. So life is still tremendous uh, from where I'm sitting. Definitely, and we'll definitely hit up more of the current stuff. But, yeah, I know, I hadn't talked to you about the Indians. So the first time we're doing it's on the air. So I kind of wanted your thoughts. And it's crazy, like, what expectations do to, to a season and the outlook on it. And for a Pirates fan, wasn't expecting anything. I wanted to finish ahead of the Reds in the standings and not be terrible. And they weren't good, 
but they they hit my low expectations, and it's just crazy on on that. But yeah, Pirates will be winning anything <laughs> anytime soon. But you know, uh, the Blue Jackets are starting. I know you know I know you're you're big on them. Uh, I'm seeing my first game on Wednesday. Uh, they're off to a hot start. Like I know a few years ago with Tortorella, like they that's what what got him in here. The Blue Jackets were historically slow starters. I think they were 0-9-1 or something in their first 10 a couple years ago. They bring in Tortorella. They go to the playoffs his second year and his third year. They're off to a hot start, man. And Penguins are giving up a lot of goals. They actually just uh, got rid of their backup for, or their replacement for Flurry. He lasted two weeks. So Penguins have bad backup goaltender issues. And I think, I think right now if they played, the Blue Jackets would be the better team. And I'm glad they don't play for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm excited. It's I, I, at the start of a new season. There's always that optimism there, which is which is great. So, you know, I, I haven't really had a chance to watch too much too much this season, but I'm looking forward to continuing to watch watch more. And you know, it's 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 going to be very difficult. It's so you know so competitive again this season, and uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I I, I know for for you guys. For the Penguins, I mean, man, it's kind of uncharted territory, right? I mean, trying to win three straight championships—not an easy thing to do. It's, it's got to be, uh, got to be a bit of a bit of a weird feeling. But obviously, you know, when you win two in a row, it's hard to be upset about anything. Here's here's my outlook on the season, Brian. I, it dawned on me the other day. I was talking to my dad about it, and I, I was like, I want to go to the second round and, and bow out gracefully. That's what this season's about for me. This season is about not going out. Every championship run ends, and I, I think this one's this one's a weird one because Malkin and Crosby are still only thirty thirty one years old. Uh, a lot of their parts are still good, but I think when you lose a guy like Fleury, who was such a uh, he was like a Paul Amalu for the Penguins, so respected. He's not there anymore. I think this is their run's ending, and I think uh, this season if they go out, if they at least defend the cup for one round. Their bodies are going to give way after that. That's I just see it, man, and I think that's what's going to happen to Golden State at some point. You're already seeing it, man. I mean, freaking Curry and Draymond or someone else got thrown out of that. I know you saw that recently, and that wasn't a bigger thing than what it was. I mean, Golden State's already like a weird mental team, and man, I don't know. I don't think they're going to win it this season. I just don't. I don't want them to. Uh, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't let you do this. You did this last year. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. They're the best team. If they're healthy, how they're going to win. How close was I? Cleveland was only three going to win last no, year for you, doing you, it. You weren't really that close. They were close to winning. They're, they're, look, I obviously, as Cavs fan, hope that we don't win, but I'm not stupid. That It's not – Highly, highly, highly unlikely it's going to happen without injury. I'm really and if injury happens, whatever. I, I, I really don't care at this point, honestly. Like, I just don't. I'm not rooting for an injury, but I really don't. I mean, whatever it takes. Uh, you know, if we're lucky in, enough to, to win, it, you take a lot of luck. I was in San Francisco when the news broke about Kyrie, and I was wearing a LeBron shirt that day. And I walked down to Pier 39. I had like 15 people. Are you from Ohio? Like, what's up with Kyrie Irving? I'm like, I don't know. I'm here on vacation. And I could not wait to get home to see what happened. And that was the day he demanded a trade. And I was like, man, it's yeah, over well, three years. I think he's a good, uh, a great topic to discuss. There's so much there, so much we can cover. I don't want to talk about, you know, how necessarily how I should perceive him or Cavs fans should perceive him. Uh, as much as it was very interesting, you know, some tidbits on Twitter and reading about, you know, reading about, uh, you know, Kyrie that things have you know started to come out uh, that he's not and and there was rumblings before but he was not a not the most liked guy uh, has had a very very likable game great game everyone loved his game but not the most not the most well liked person in the locker room not necessarily someone that is is missed in the Cavaliers locker room and that and that says something uh, for a guy as talented as Kyrie certainly I would much rather have him than not but. It, it you know I found that to be to be very and he's just he's acted incredibly immaturely you know uh, telling you know a, a, a fan uh, when when who asked him where LeBron was to suck his D 
I mean, that's, you know, that's how my first reaction immediately when I heard that, I thought to myself, this guy has ice in his veins in every clutch situation, including game seven of the NBA finals where he had the biggest shot in Cavs history. Biggest moment, you know, of my entire lifetime as a sports fan in Cleveland. And yet he's rattled enough to say that. I mean, this is a situation where you just, you'd like to think at some point down the road, he's certainly going to come back eventually for something. And, and probably, you know, there's a number of tired calves. Um, I don't know, maybe he won't, but I mean, I feel like you think there's a reasonable chance of that down the road. And, and I'm open to that certainly, but the guy really is coming off like, like a, like a complete, you know, jerk. And, it's, you know, I feel terrible about what happened with Gordon Hayward, and that sucks, but even if they had Gordon Hayward, I just look at that team as being a team that is not deep and lost a lot of good players, including some that we're fortunate enough to have, Isaiah Thomas when he comes back, and Jay Crowder. So Boston season is in bad shape, and Kyrie Irving is, you know, from a, from a, a legacy perspective, He's putting a lot of extra pressure on himself. He's going to have to find a way to uh, to overcome. I think my th- my thought on Kyrie is this. I agree with a lot of what you said, but like my thought on Kyrie is he grew up as a Kobe admirer. Like not like Jor- I mean LeBron grew up a Jordan worshiper, and Kyrie grew up a Kobe guy. And Kobe left Shaq, and LeBron never had a Pippen. And I think he was hoping maybe Kyrie would be his Pippen for the later stages in his career. And I always thought when LeBron came over in 14, he was turning 30. Kyrie was so young at that point, maybe 23, I think. And I thought by year two, it would be Kyrie's offense and LeBron would no longer be the focal point. And I don't know if it's that LeBron never wanted to let go of it or that he was reluctant or that Kyrie was never ready. But I never saw that second act of them happening. And I think that's the same thing with Kobe. He never saw the second half of, of the second act of him and Shaq happening where Shaq couldn't let go of being the best guy. That's why they didn't win more titles. There was a point when Kobe was better than Shaq, but Shaq wasn't willing to admit it. That's why LA went with him. And it was clear that as long as Kyrie remained on the Cavs, the way they're currently built, it's going to be LeBron being the guy. And that forced his hand. I don't think he wanted to – he didn't want to be the bride waiting at the altar if LeBron left next year. That's fine. He was tired of – All I'm saying, Brian, is that I feel like that topic has been discussed. You know what I mean, like okay. that, like like. Right. How, however, you feel about it, I, I guess it's to that more. Part, I'm, trying, I'm not. I'm, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and I, yeah, no, and I'm not trying to cut you off. I just think I think that's the bigger bigger issue at this point is more, and that's what I want to get your opinion on is, you know, from a, from a, uh, you know, what you think his actions, how the how that reflects. You know, he he also re, you know uh, called you know Boston a real live sports city, and and and. He walked it back a little bit, but whatever. I mean, you know, he still said something really stupid. I think he needs – I think he – my thought on that is I don't think he's cognizant he, – I don't think he understands at all what being the, the player is all about. I think he's figuring it out in a major city that you can't make any mistakes. Like, because Boston is a crazy city, and whatever you say, like, it's chewed up and spit out. Like, I, I think LeBron likes Cleveland from that perspective. People love LeBron in Cleveland, even after what happened. And I feel like – they kind of let him do what he wants in that city without being bothered that much. Like, I think LeBron's relationship with the media in Cleveland is great, you know. And, and I feel bad for Kyrie, to be honest with you. I, I like him to have a nice legacy, and I want him to be a guy that comes back and is cheered. I mean, I, I'm sure you know this, too. Like, I saw that there were maybe plans for a Kyrie tribute, and it was, turned, it was, it was, it was dusted away. And I hope at some – probably too soon, but I hope at some point he's revered in Cleveland. Like, I really do, like – his three years with Cleveland were awesome. They were awesome. The 14-15 Cavs, I watched 90% of their games. I almost canceled cable until LeBron came back. I will be honest, though, with this current team, it's a new it's, – it's refreshing. By year three of the Kyrie and LeBron, LeBron show, it's like it's a movie you've seen three times. You don't know if it's the better of the three or whatever, but it's the same movie three times. This is a new movie. So I'm excited to see what these pieces do together. I'm excited to see what Wade does off the bench. I think this is going to be – I think the longer uh, Love plays with LeBron, he's going to get better. Because now he's LeBron's, like, oldest teammate on the team. Mozgov, Delvadova, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's gone. Him and, him and Love apparently have a good bond, and I don't think that's being talked about enough. Like, the more I watch the Cavs, I'm always – I've always been a Kevin Love fan. 
I've always does that mean that I haven't been disappointed in him at times in terms of the scoring? Of course, but he is, he's a good player, and I think he's over scrutinized a lot. As was Bosch. It seems like whatever big man LeBron has dealt with, uh, that player's always kind of been uh, kind of the guy that gets crapped on. So uh, you know, I, yeah, do I feel bad for Kyrie? Yeah, but I also haven't really appreciated how much love has gotten kind of crapped on over the years. And maybe with Kyrie being gone and Love still being there with LeBron and being with Cleveland and really committing to Cleveland, I think it's really cool, and I hope that he has a big season. He's probably the Cav I'm really kind of pulling for the most, honestly, if I'm watching the team. Yeah, I mean, I think the perception of Love has changed really from from his great defense and Steph Curry at the end of Game 7 on. He had his best year last year. He was picked to be an all-star, deservingly so. His best best year uh, as a Cav, not his best year overall necessarily, but but I mean, certainly his best year as a Cav. And people, you know, he, he really was tremendous last year. Would have been in the All Star game, but was injured at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think that the perception of him is, is fine. And, and I mean, I'm looking forward to, to seeing him do more. Uh, yeah, I've been, you know, I'm disappointed it's too strong of a word, but I guess I'm I'm chopping at the bit. And I haven't seen it yet really much this year. I'm chomping at the bit, in, you know, to have Kevin Love out there a little bit when LeBron isn't. And that hasn't really been so much the, the case recently. And I say that only because if LeBron's going to be resting, I want to work the ball into Kevin Love. I want to utilize the inside game that Kevin Love has. And in general, I want him to have the ball more on the block and utilize his passing because he's such a great passer. Um, he, he really does, does everything, and, and he's sacrificing. Uh, you know, going going to the center position, I think that's going to be, you know, a, a unique challenge for him. But I mean, that's the best Cavs team you can have. Uh, now that the obvious decision is, is, was made, and it's fine. I, I didn't really care that Wade was starting because it was not going to last. There was no way. This is not Dwayne Wade, you know, future Hall of Famer. And this is a guy that's, you know, may. may I mean, he. He's not someone I'm counting on. I, I feel like that when you're you know, a Hall of Fame player like a, like a D. Wade, you're going to have your moments and you're going to have your games where you're going to show those old flashes of what you used to be able to do. And hopefully that will help us at some point. But I, I'm certainly not counting on him to be a big focal point whatsoever. And now to have LeBron at the four, Jay Crowder, who's an excellent defender at the three, J.R. Smith, who's, who's a very good defender at the two, you know, plus obviously JR can hit, can hit the three. So now you've got three guys of five instead of two that can hit the three and obviously having a backcourt with two guys that can't shoot at all, uh, you know, in, in Derek Rose and, and D Wade, you know, it just it didn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm excited for, for, for a lot of different things for love and, and to continue to watch, um, you know, watch his team and, and, and see, See where we are. Yeah, I'm excited. It's just fun, you know. And it's like I said, it's it's fun to just see a team that like, you know, it's new. It's just a new element. It's a new team. Uh, it's crazy how quick the NBA changes. That the Bulls are now bad. And I didn't think Oklahoma City was going to be very good. Honestly, I kind of dismissed them. And then I was watching them the other night, and they looked impressive. They looked fun to watch. And you know, I used to not be a big Westbrook guy for whatever reason. Out of those three, I think I liked Harden the most, believe it or not, way back when they were uh, originally together, you know, him, Westbrook, and Durant. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I've really grown to like Westbrook's game. I think that would be a fun – I mean, I'll allow myself to dream, but a fun finals matchup or a fun regular season game against them to go watch. Like, you know, I know Westbrook's kind of in the Jordan camp and, and LeBron isn't really close to that camp. I don't think there's a, a podcast we can do without talking about MJ and LeBron. I think he's the best ever, and uh, last season proved it to me. So uh, anything LeBron does at this point is gravy. I think he's the best player ever. I, he didn't need to win a championship last year to prove that to me. Um, him getting to the finals, him him still putting his print on that finals, he was a monster in game five. He scored 41 in game five. And by the fourth quarter, he was just going down the court and just dunking at will. Like, I mean, at that point, they probably should have been pressing for threes, but he didn't care. It was like, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down and just dominate you by myself. I mean, he's clearly better than Curry. He's still better than Durant. Maybe Durant will pass him at one point, but he hasn't passed him yet. Like, LeBron's still the best player on earth. And at 32 years old, it's definitive. 
And I think his his run of success put together a longer run of dominance than Jordan. If he this season is it. I mean, this is he matches Jordan's years here, but he's already surpassed him in bowl seasons. So I mean, Ob, you knew, man. I had to go to this part of the conversation, but I mean. He sold yeah. it to me. It's I'm not a, asking well, for you to make well, a testimonial, but yeah, he sold it to me. No, I, I, but I, but I think I think it's kind of a fun question. Who's the best player? Because in my opinion, yeah, right now definitely it's LeBron and Durant, hundred percent. Who's going to surpass LeBron James when LeBron James is no longer the best player in basketball? It's Giannis, excuse me. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. I may be mispronouncing his last name, which is I'm not going to on you. my part. <laughs> the, the, the 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 Greek freak is going to be the best player in the NBA sooner rather than later. He uh, is exactly – what are you saying? He's a freak. Guy can do everything. Handles the ball really well. He's an absolute monster. Uh, tremendous length. Uh, so, so, I mean, the potential to be uh, an all-NBA defender with, with, with his, you know, just length and tremendous athletic ability, uh, the leaping ability that he has, the explosion that he has. Uh, he has all the tools physically and you know it's just going to be a matter of gaining experience and he's already a damn good player at this point uh in his career in his young career so in my view that's you know look there may be a season where you know something happens with lebron or you know maybe two years from now whatever it may be where you feel like durant has the edge i don't know i don't but i don't think that day is coming i think it's going to be giannis is, is the next big thing in the NBA. Um, hopefully for, for his sake, he's able to, you know, do some things in the playoffs, you know, but um, that's going to be an intriguing team, certainly to see what, what they can do moving forward with Brogdon, the rookie of the year last year. And, uh, you know, Chris Middleton, Parker is, is Javari Parker's injured and we don't know what's going to happen when he's been injured so much, but uh, I'm very curious to see what that team is going to be able to do, uh, you know, should Jabari Parker get back and be healthy and, and be a factor? Um, there, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. But when you, you look at the whole East, I mean, you know, I didn't think with a completely healthy Celtics team that they had any chance to beat the Cavs. Now they're not going to play the Cavs, uh, I, you, know, you wouldn't think, in, in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's just, there's just no way. They, they lost all their depth. And without Hayward now, yes, they have Kyrie, but it's like, you gain Kyrie, you lose so much. Um, Kyrie Irving can't replace Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, and Jay Crowder, and Kelly Olynyk. I mean, you lost all of that. If you're, you know, all you have is Al Horford, who's terrible in the postseason and one of matters most, and Kyrie. And they do have two two young players, Jalen Brown, the I believe second, maybe third year in the league, who I think is going to be really good and is already really developing. And then they have Tatum, Jason Tatum, who is going to be a, a stud. I mean, he's a future all-star. So their future is bright, but their present their, is, is not. And it's going to be another easy, even easier than last year, actually, I think, you know, March to the finals for the Cavs. Yeah, I, I think it's all about how quick they mesh. Because you watch them. I watched the second game when they played the player's name that I'm not going to try to pronounce, but he's going to be very good. <laughs> and watching that game, and they're coached by Jason Kidd, who I think is a, is a good NBA coach. He was a very smart NBA player and um, beat LeBron for a title in 11. And I, I don't think Dallas gets enough credit for that win, but that's for a different day, if any other day. But, yeah, I mean, that was a game, that was a good early season test for Cleveland where they'll exert their dominance late, but for the first half, it's going to be a close game and stretches of the third. And, for this team to have played with each and Jay Crowder was a guy that I wasn't that excited about. I honestly thought that he would be like a part of another trade piece for later. I never thought I'd honestly see him play a regular season game with Cleveland. <laughs> and and they did. And he, he I mean LeBron looked to him a lot in that game. And Rose to me though, he still I don't think has learned how to play like the way he needs to play now. He still tries to slash and burn and do things that he used to do when he was healthy. He almost got hurt in night two. And that's what I'm worried about. It's like there's a reason why this dude is always available. It's not because he can't play. It's because he can't play healthy. If Derrick Rose is healthy in the playoffs, like, I mean, look out. You and me went to that game, and you and me went to that game where he beat, he beat, uh, he beat the Bulls. Or, I'm sorry, when he beat the Cavs as a member of the Bulls. 
you and me went to that game, and, and he is still like that was that wasn't very long ago. Uh, so yeah, I, this team is is a is a crazy question mark. I love the fact that Dwayne Wade just said, "Hey, I'll take I'll take the backup. I don't care if he asked for it or not." I know Ty Lue said that today, but regardless, like class move on his part. A lot of a lot of players in their older won't do that, but hey, he's a team player. The Cavaliers have a Hall of Famer coming off the bench, future Hall of Famer coming off the bench. They've got two in the starting lineup. I mean, bona fide Hall of Famers. I mean, I think Love is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I think. Especially the NBA doesn't have quite the highest standards. So, not not like baseball. But, yeah, man, I'm with you on the Cavs. It's good. My thing, too, it's interesting to see what, like, Philadelphia does. I'm more excited to see who the Cavs get in the early rounds. Like, you know, do you think, I mean, Philly won today by 11. They beat Detroit. I mean, I know Detroit's not very good, but. I mean, Philadelphia's off. I mean, there's excitement in Philadelphia again, and I think that's really cool with their basketball history with the Sixers and whatnot. Unfortunately, Detroit's going back down. But, yeah, I mean, and I like the Cavs' New Jerseys. they got to stop ripping. I don't like all this change. I actually like the, the, the first LeBron jerseys. They never bring those back, and I really don't know why. But, uh, or the ones they had with Price. But, you know, I don't know if you wanted to talk jerseys. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't think I'd like them, but I kind of like them. Well, it's funny that you mentioned LeBron's first jersey or the Cavs, you know, the first jersey. But um, I, my, you know, newest purchase was a couple, it was at this point, I think it was two years ago, was a Kyrie, or after the finals, it was a Kyrie Irving jersey. That's what I bought because he was my favorite player at the time for, for the shot that he hit. So uh, some, you know, irony there. But I, I did have two jerseys. Uh, at the time that LeBron left for Miami, I had two LeBron jerseys. One of them I paid for. The other one was the, you mentioned Mark Price, the, the, the blue road Cavs jersey that, from that era, but it was a LeBron jersey that I actually won at, uh, I was watching March Madness and uh, won it, mm-hmm. was able to win it to, based on the trivia contest. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I didn't burn, burn the jersey. I, I did sell the blue one because I didn't want to wear a LeBron jersey, and I think it was certainly justified at that time, but I didn't, you know, didn't do anything to it. But I did have my old one that I kept, and that's the jersey I'm wearing now when I, when I want to wrap the Cavs. So it's funny to, to have that. You know, sucks to have a Kyrie jersey that's wasted over there. But, you know, whatever. It's, uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm – I think Philly, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. They're a team that is very intriguing. Uh, excited for the future of that of, of that franchise. Certainly, you know, we know what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, uh, you know, are, are going to be able to do there, and Markel Fultz, uh, and you know, they're 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 definitely a team that is going to be fun to watch. So yeah, I mean, you know, that's a team that could be a potential eight seed. You know, we played Detroit two years ago. Uh, as as the eight seed, I, I actually think they're not a bad team at all. Um, they're not going to do anything besides compete for maybe the seven or eight seed. But they did add Avery Bradley, who I, I really am a big fan of, to go along, you know, with uh, with Reggie Jackson and you know and Andre Drummond over there. So that's a team that uh, is you know is, is a lower lower tier you know contender down at the bottom of the East. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, Milwaukee's the team I'm hoping to avoid uh, of anybody. And then I, I'm assuming that Washington will end up winning the two seed, and that's who the Cavs play in the finals. And, and that's a team that, you know, it doesn't scare me at all. I mean, they, they're capable of winning one, maybe two games. But there's, that's obviously not a team that worries you. So, so the Cavs are going to get back. It's not a question of that. Um, one guy who had a great preseason for the Cavs, and it's showing he's got something left in the tank. I don't know if he's going to be a part of the rotation come playoff time, but Jeff Green, been very impressed with Jeff Green. Um, really love that he's on the Cavs and playing well since I did cover him when Ohio State, you know, and made, made the Final Four. So pretty cool to, to have a guy that was a part of that on the Cavs. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, playing, he's playing really well. And, you know, you, you have, with JR back to starting lineup, you know, you have, have a, you know, hopefully a little more punch on that bench. You got Tristan Thompson. You have Kyle Korver. Uh, you know, Wade, I think we differ on. 
Um, I know you. I know how much you respect and love Wade, and I'm hopeful that he's going to give you something. But you know, Derrick Rose, I'm a lot more optimistic about uh, if healthy off the bench once Isaiah Thomas comes back. I really like that. I think there's a good opportunity there. Um, I don't know. I think I think Wade will show some flashes, but he's just no longer. You know, health is always going to be an issue, and just he's just no longer that great a player. He doesn't have the explosion. He's never been a good shooter, really. So, uh, you know, I'm not – I'm hopeful that we'll get something, but I have no expectations, realistically, of, of getting too much out of him. I mean, there was Wade and there was Carmelo, right? They talked about that. And if we gotten Carmelo, that's different. That guy's a stud, which is why I was surprised not to bounce around. You said earlier you weren't sure if the Thunder would be good. I was very surprised to hear that because I think the Thunder are incredible. I mean, to have Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Carmelo Anthony – I mean, just I mean, Paul George I think, alone. I think if LeBron goes anywhere, it's going to be there next year. But I don't want to talk about that because I want to enjoy this season. Yeah, I but don't. I mean, yeah, I don't see that happening. I, I don't see. I don't see that that, that there being really? any chance of happening. You don't want to place a bet on that. I'm not gonna. Well, I mean, that's a. Yeah, I don't want to bet in general, but yeah, I mean, that's. I, I don't know. I, I, that would be very surprising for him to go to a place like Oklahoma City. No offense to them, even though it is a great fan base. I mean, that would be a strange move that I can't possibly fathom seeing him go in there. I, but again, I'm, I also, thought of the guys. I'm also of the belief that he's going to stay because I don't for a second buy the idea that he's going to go to the West. I mean, it would be so stupid to have to mess with the, the Warriors. I don't see him doing that. I think that would be really dumb, and I certainly don't see him going to the Lakers. I don't think that's a viable possibility at yeah, all. Yeah, but if you take him out... So that's why finals, I think... That... I, all right, you know what? You know what? I'll give you... I'll give you... Uh, cool, I'll give you Oklahoma City, but I don't think it's a terrible thing if you went through the West, because if you take out the monster's head in the second round, that means your next two rounds are easier than your second one. Or even if you have to face him in the conference finals. That's one less series of wear and tear on your legs and everything else. And if you beat them, you know. I think LeBron, I'm sure, wants to continue to get back to finals, and you know, it's it's going to be a challenge regardless, because Boston is going to get is going to get there with when their young players develop, and they right. still have, you know, they still have, I think at least one, or I'm pretty sure they've at least one early round pick left. So from all the trading, if not more, so they're yeah, I. I, I and honestly, I, I did I not like seeing that. what happened. Uh, I did not like seeing what I saw when Hayward went down because I wanted to see them at their best. I wanted to see what we looked at. Him. And obviously, my first thought was his health. I wanted to make sure he was okay, and I still hope he's okay. Oh, yeah. But then after you, you think about what's ahead and, and facing them and what that could mean, and, you know, right now, you know, a couple of years ago, it was Cleveland and Toronto. Now Boston kind of entered the fray after Cleveland swept them in the first round at 15. And I, I actually hated Boston at that point because – of the of the hack on on love, of course, I don't think he meant to break his you know, break a bone or anything to love, but just they got brutal at the end of that series, and I didn't really like Brad Stevens at that point because it seemed like they were interested in just playing bad boy piston basketball as opposed to just playing Cleveland straight up. You know, when you're the inferior team, I think there's still a way to play even when you you know you're not going to win. You know, I remember when the Heat swept uh, Jordan's you know Charlotte team. A few years ago, I mean, it was very. I mean, to the end, Charlotte kept playing their brand of basketball, which ultimately caught caused them to get swept. But it wasn't like they got into dirty let's foul mode. I think Jordan respects the game too much, and I don't think he ever wants to be a reason why a team doesn't go beyond him unless it's win or losing. He does not want to injure LeBron and doesn't want to be known as the team that that happened. And Brad Stevens doesn't care about that. And I will not say it was ironic because I don't believe in terrible karma like that. But I will say this. Brad Stevens, the teams, he has his glittering image as, as this, you know, purest basketball mind. No, he doesn't. Brad Stevens is a competitive dude. He he's like got the James Franklin mind, but not not the. He just doesn't carry it. He hides it. But Stevens is a competitor, and you know LeBron felt bad for him. But he also you, he would. The only way you get out of him is if you put him on a lie detector test. But he wasn't thinking about going forward, and how that affected that. That's why Kyrie was crying. You think Kyrie loves him like? Hey, I'm sure Kyrie felt bad, but he knew what happened. He knew what that meant. At that moment, he knew what that meant. Everyone knew what that meant. And, again, I think everybody's thoughts and, and hopes were on Hayward, but, like, everybody knew the magnitude of that. Like, that was part of the, the tragedy for, if I'm not getting too dramatic. Like, they knew at that point, like, that's another year. We're not going to give LeBron our best swing. And who knows? Maybe they acquire someone late. 
maybe Kyrie, maybe this forces Kyrie to really figure it out because he's not going to have like anybody to bail him out like LeBron anymore. Like this is Kyrie's team. Knock on Kyrie was always that he couldn't lead a team to winning, even a little winning, a winning record. And I'm like you, Brian. I had no idea that Kyrie was your, you know, guy that you had grown to be your favorite player. I knew with LeBron, I knew things have always been complicated with you and LeBron, that you and him are on great footing now. But I know your relationship with him was complicated in terms of, like, sports fan and whatnot. But um, I liked Kyrie a lot, too. I think my two favorite LeBron-Kyrie games, or three, game five and 16, obviously game seven and in, in 16. But trail, uh, Kyrie and LeBron uh, against the Spurs in 15 in the spring, their first year together. They both put up, like, I think LeBron had 48 and Kyrie had over 50. They won in overtime. So fun to watch them play together. It was amazing. And then in the 14 All-Star game, when I first thought that maybe he could come, LeBron would come back, him and Kyrie had this great chemistry throughout the game. I will always enjoy watching those two play basketball. Like, it was so fun to watch those two guys play. And you saw it in Durant after they lost the finals. First thing he said was, man, I've never seen anything like those two guys. And you know it hurts LeBron. I mean, that embrace they had at the end of the game – LeBron calls him the kid and kind of with, kind of checks him a little bit, and I like that. LeBron's testing his limits. Like, Kyrie won't call him out for calling him the kid. That's kind of LeBron letting him know, like, okay, I, I'm still the predominant male around this relationship. And, you know, I, I like Kyrie. I still do. You know, I was upset when he left. But I also he – gave, he gave fans, he gave everybody. I'll never forget that shot as long as I live. Never. That was the greatest basketball game I've ever seen. It's the greatest finals I've ever seen. Nothing can deteriorate that. Like, people in San Francisco are still mad about that. I got heckled for wearing my LeBron shirt so many times that day I spent out there. So, yeah, man, I'm this era of LeBron basketball and him coming back has been the most fun I've enjoyed watching him play. Uh, I know uh, we actually became friends the year uh, he led the Cavs to the playoffs for the first time. I wrote a column in the Lantern about how one day maybe he could be better than LeBron. And I remember, I think you were one of the only people that were down with that article. Dylan called me a jerk. He's a guy we went to college with. He was like, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Who's, you know, hey, I think I drank good Kool-Aid because he is. And, uh, yeah, man, excited about that. We have not talked college football at all, so I don't know if you mind if I drastically change course on the podcast. It's the Ardro Show, it's been really fun. Tackled a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah let me make one point. Football. Sure. Well, before you do college football, I just want to make, I just want to make one point. I just want to clarify I think I've said this before, but I always, I always think it's important. LeBron, as I've said to you before, I, you know, LeBron was a young kid, and, and I think if anything, the Kyrie situation has, has almost made me appreciate and understand more what had happened. You know, LeBron grew up getting everything. And, well, I should, I'm sorry, not getting everything, earning everything. Earning, because the guy's incredible talent, incredible worker, everything. So he, he, he didn't have much, and he earned everything he got. And, you know, I think, and then, you know, got to a point where, you know, everyone was, was kissing his ring and deservingly so with the talent he had. But I think you, 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 no matter who you are, you get some entitlement. And I think he got some of that and, you know, and just didn't, uh, I think he was, didn't see the big picture. He was young. He was immature. Whatever. I mean, he went to Miami. He had his quote unquote college. He matured a lot. He changed a lot. Um, you know, so I've, I've said many times, you know, I appreciate the player that the old LeBron was. Not a particular big fan of the person, but I don't have. You know, I really do appreciate and and have have much love for LeBron as, as a person. He's done incredible things for Akron, you know, specifically, and and for for a lot of people, he, he's he, he's completely embraced Cleveland this time around. He he's he's a different guy, and that's made everything all the more sweet. So, yeah, I, I have nothing but love for LeBron. Um, and, uh, you know, it is it is what it is. Kyrie, I don't want to talk about it. I, I will always appreciate and love the shot, and I look forward to the time, because we're forgiving society. Eventually he'll come back around. At this particular time, just like that, that particular time for LeBron, you know, I, 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 I mean, if people want to like Kyrie, you want to like Kyrie, that's fine. I know there's people out there that do. Nothing wrong with that. But to me at this particular time, He's an immature piece of crap, and he's going to mature, and I look forward to that time. But at this particular moment in time, I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, I, he's really, truly, you know, um, this whole time since leaving has made every wrong move you could make. It's been so stupid. 
So it is what it is. But college football, yeah, I mean, the Buckeyes, um, I'm excited. This feeling, it's so funny how obviously we don't know what's going to happen. But, I mean, it certainly feels like 2014 from the standpoint of complete hopelessness uh, after the Virginia Tech lost that year to a great feeling to hopelessness again because of injuries to, you know, first you had Braxton, then you had injury to JT, and then, of course, Cardell did his thing. But now I just, you know, I feel very differently, and I'm confident and optimistic and excited. I, I, you know, how are you feeling about uh, the Buckeyes, whether you want to talk about this week against Penn State or just in general, anything you want to say about uh, uh, Ohio State and where they're at? You know what? It's My friend texted me today. I've known him for a long time, talked a lot of Buckeye football with him, and he said, statement game for JT in a text today. And I thought, this late in this guy's career, we're still doing the statement game thing. And it's unbelievable that he, everything he's achieved, there's still that glaring question mark with him. And it's, it's, I feel like it's almost that way with every Ohio State quarterback we've ever had. Like, Braxton was, yeah, but no national title. You know, uh, Cardell was, yeah, national title, but didn't really play a whole season. You know, everybody's got a thing. JT, you know, wasn't the starter for the, the playoff run. You know what I mean? But, like, so it's so funny to me that JT still ha- is, has doubters out there, rightfully, rightfully, because he make he he hasn't you know he's not very consistent sometimes. But I think he's had a very strong response to the season. They haven't played the greatest of opponents, but he's done everything they've asked him to do. He's executing the game plan. I think now the game plan's at a point where it's starting. It's ready to start being opened up. They have a bye week. I think Urban Meyer only has, like, one loss ever coming off a bye. I think it was at Bowling Green. That's why they're favored by seven. It's at home. Urban Meyer's lost once coming off a bye in his entire college career. I mean, never at OSU, never at Florida. So, like, I mean, you know, they've got the second-best coach in college football and arguably the first. I mean, I think I think Saban's got it. I mean, as much as I don't like to say it, I mean, Saban is – well, I would say they're – I wouldn't say one's better than the other. I mean – Saban's resume, some people would say is better, but Urban won at four different schools. I mean, big at four different schools. You know, he won at the highest level in the MAC, won at the highest level at Utah, everywhere he's been. Two national titles at Florida, one at Ohio State. So I, when you have the best coach in football, and I think the thing no one ever really talks about is, you know, we were spoiled with a good defense at OSU when we were there, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, but this team, I mean, Urban's teams, Shiano, a nasty defense they get after it and Barkley I think if they lose this game it's going to come down to turnovers and it's going to come down to a gaffe in special teams because because Penn State has a good special teams unit that's as nerdy as that is to say I mean Franklin has they're very fundamentally coached but when they make one mistake I feel like they make tons of them I think they get tight I think Franklin teams if you get out on a Franklin team early I don't think they know how to respond very well um, I, I, they're, they're built to have the lead. They, they thrive off of that energy. I don't think they're a very good road team. So we're going to see. And they're coming off the Michigan game. You know, you know they're feeling good. But they're also running on a lot of adrenaline. I don't know if they're ready to take another swing that OSU is going to throw at them. You know, I think they're going to realize that OSU is not Michigan. In Michigan, it seems like the Harbaugh, I mean, seems like he needs to start winning a little bit more than he is. I think you would agree with that, Brian. I think the honeymoon – we have reached the final year with the honeymoon phase of Jim Harbaugh. I think in Michigan it's lasted to that point. I feel like he doesn't win this year big. They lose to OSU again. I think the fans are coming down on him. And I don't know if you ever – if you did you find yourself cheering for Michigan or Penn State the other night? So it worked out. I, I wasn't watching the game because I don't like Penn State and I hate Michigan. Um I just don't also just don't really respect very much about Penn state right now, especially with all the paternal stuff and just the mentality is pathetic and you know, whatever, you know what, obviously we don't know how we'd react if, you know, if we heard Woody Hayes, you know, did the things and covered up the things and, and was as much of a scumbag as Joe Paterno turned out to be. But uh, you know, I, I, I do respect Michigan and I don't really respect Penn state. And I really hate James Franklin. I think he's a complete jerk. Um, so from that perspective, you know, I really do hate Penn State, but by but by the same token, I never root for Michigan. And I think Jim Harbaugh, it's great. I mean, he has the the same number, uh, the same record as Brady Oak at this this time. 
Um, and, you know, I, I love when you compare, you know, it's so fun to compare him to Urban from the standpoint of, again, year number one, coming off of a season where Ohio State was terrible or they didn't win the bowl game. Or I think we either won six or seven games, and, you know, losing to Florida and losing to Michigan, though, barely, <laughs> to be fair. We almost did win in Luke Fickle's year in 2011. But that's the year you have. And then in 2012, you have Ohio State going undefeated, <laughs> not making a bowl game, national championship, because of, you know, the, the previous issues we all know about. And then 2013, Ohio State makes, makes a Big Ten championship game. Loses. Loses a bowl game to Clemson, but makes a Big Ten championship game. And then year three wins a national championship. Now you're sitting there with, with Jim Harbaugh and no chance in the national championship. Um, the only way Michigan could, could get to the Big Ten championship game would be uh, complete mayhem and chaos that is not conceivable to happen. So, you know, and, and – if they cannot win at home in the last game of the year against us, the game, then he's one and five in three years in their two biggest games, one and five against Ohio State and Michigan State, and you see Mark D'Antonio. I mean that that's just such a great story. I mean, there's a lot of you know great stories in college football this year. Um, I mean it, it's it, Mark D'Antonio what he's been able to do to get them to rebound, and it, you know I think it all culminates in. You know, the, the two teams that certainly seem like the best, Penn State and Ohio State, and Wisconsin will get their chance and could potentially be undefeated heading into the Big Ten championship game, which would, at that point, you know, more than likely put them at number two in the country, if not two, maybe three. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see how things, things play out. And, again, I just think it sort of goes back to, you know, said earlier that, uh, when, when we were talking on the phone prior to this, that, you know, when the spread is seven, which is as high, that high, that means Vegas knows something. I mean, Vegas is never wrong. <laughs> they Clearly something is up. So I, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks Ohio State wins this game by two touchdowns or, or you know, because of the spread being where it is. But it makes me that much more confident that Ohio State's going to get it done at home uh, at night which Ohio State has never won, as we found out against Oklahoma. You know, Ohio State has never won uh, a night game at the shoe against the top five team. And uh, I, I think that's definitely changing uh, coming up this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, a lot of crazy stories. I mean, I work with a lot of people that went to Tennessee. And what's happened with Butch Jones is just crazy. I mean, what's happened to them and their program and, and just so hard to run as a successful team for so long. I mean, I think a lot of times people take for granted like Urban Meyer and the things he's done and just, I mean, Toledo and the Mac, they're having a very nice season. And it's, it's, it's amazing because my dad went to Pitt, you know, you think ACC, big fancy stuff. And I said, you know, I go, Toledo fans have more to be excited about football-wise than Pitt over the last decade. I mean, really, more bowl appearances, more bowl wins. I mean, it's crazy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh football, college football, is just not a big deal. And it's it's really funny that uh, Columbus, where I grew up, is totally different. I mean, and that's why I don't know if a pro football team would work here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't really circled around. Uh, oh, one last thing, yeah, to put a, one, a little bow on this, on the college football talk. I'm a – I mean, and you know this. I don't. I know you're not going to like when I say this, but, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I grew up a Hurricanes fan a little bit just because they were – you know, I, uh, I'm a Columbus transplant. I'm not from here. So everybody, I grew up here, and everybody loves Ohio State. And I fumbled around with it. I didn't really like OSU until I went there and met Brian, you know, doing the boat, the Diardro show with. That's the first team I said, if I'm going to go here, I may as well start cheering for them. And then everything kind of changed. I always liked, you know, I would watch them. I knew about them. They were, I, I liked the 90, uh, 97 team uh, that went to the Sugar Bowl and lost to Florida State. I liked that team. There were teams I enjoyed. And I love the O2 team, but outside of that, not not so much. Uh, but you can't be, you know be here and not start to fall in love with college football. Um, haven't been to an OSU game in a long time, and Brian, we should make that happen sometime. Just go back and be. We went to OSU together. We never watched a game together in the stands. Is that right? We were in the press box for every game. If uh, if I'm right in my memory. Yeah, well, I mean, well, I mean uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the three years that we were in school together, I mean, I didn't watch any games from the stands. I don't believe. 
Uh, I know I know that for a fact I didn't because uh, I, I watched a game from the stands. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess my freshman year, your sophomore year, I watched a couple games because, yeah, but I mean, at that point, we didn't know each other quite as well. And, um, and that obviously would not have watched the game together at that point. But after that, for, for your junior and senior year and my sophomore and junior year, I know with 100% certainty I did not watch a single game from the stands. Um, we watched that Penn State game from the press box. That was that was it. I mean, that was the closest, you know, coming to a game. But uh, but that was it. My favorite years doing the podcast it had to be my first year together. And then I loved uh, loved my junior year when they went undefeated and lost to Florida because that was when we had Friedman and, and uh, Josh. That was his name, Josh. We had those guys on the pregame and and, and postgame, halftime, all that jazz. And me, you, and Dylan on the call. You play by play. Me is the number three, and Dylan is as the play with the next guy, so he can say what he has to say. That was probably the best working team we had, except with freshman year when we had Gavin and Ed, which was hilarious. Um, we were in, we we did a show. This is really insider stuff. Maybe maybe we'll throw in some of this stuff in future podcasts. Our our fun broadcasting together. But my favorite one of my favorite memories of broadcasting was with you is obviously Earl Bruce at Michigan. I know you like that one too. The forgotten two thousand five win with the Gonzalez catch. That was awesome. Uh when Golston killed Henny at the twenty yard line, that was excellent. Um so so many fun games. But I remember my first play by play game and they played Penn State and Malcolm Jenkins had a pick six right in front of us and I I totally just froze. I froze on his name. You knew how much Dylan hammered into us to study it, so I knew his name a million times over, where he was from, how much you, what he ate for breakfast. I just froze, and you said Malcolm, and you took over. You took over the play-by-play for enough to get me back on the rail. But the very next day, Dylan called me and said, "Yeah, you're not going to do play-by-play anymore." <laughs> he, he he took it away. One miss froze, and that was it for me. And I didn't care because I, I still was not demoted from the actual game crew. I wasn't demoted to pregame halftime. That's what I thought was coming the next day. And I showed up, and Dylan was like, hey, you're, just, you're going to stay on, but as a color guy. I said, works for me. But for whatever reason, we put Dylan in charge at that time. But those are just funny, funny memories that, again, I made this very inside, an inside podcast. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's been a while. Well, I mean, it's been 10 years, and it's been we were, you know, a lot we of good memories. Yeah, we were, we were 50-50, just to be clear. We were both co-sports directors. So I don't remember that particular instance. I'm going to go, I'm going to guess that I probably just didn't feel like fighting the battle. Be my guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, just to be fair, that's, just well, to the record, that's, we, 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 that's why we, we were 50, 50, but well, that's why yeah. you and me became tighter because Dylan, Dylan kind of acted like it was his show and he'll never listen to this podcast. So that's fine. And I don't need to always air dirty laundry on the air, but you know, Hey, if we're telling stories, I like to be a transparent person. So, you know, uh, yeah. I, and I, but I still love the guy. He was fun. You know, he was fun to, to, to do things with, you know, back in school. But, yeah, you always had your guys' backs, and I always thought that was, you know, a cool thing. And uh, and we were both way more food guys than anybody else there. I mean, Josh had to, you know, Dylan was very particular what he liked to eat. You and me would just go out and eat whatever was laid out. And that was easily the best part of doing that show, of doing any student broadcasting was the food. That was number one for me. I don't think there's any debating that. Going to the games was awesome. And the trip, the, the food and the trips, I would say, were and getting to go to the games for nothing were some of the, the greatest parts of that experience for me, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it was it was all really special. Sure, we can. Yeah, I mean, we definitely could do uh, you know do a podcast that's just Buckeye oriented and, and talk about you know have a good portion of that being you know are focusing on uh, some memories we have to just memories. If you want I mean you know I'd ma- like to ask maybe, you about maybe the, the appropriate real quick. Well, I was going to say you maybe the maybe maybe the appropriate move would be to uh to do that we'll do a we'll do a Michigan week podcast maybe and uh you know we'll talk about memories of, of not only that game but uh you know other memories maybe that that'll be a good time to do something here in about a month so um, but, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the world series, I don't know, is there a specific question you have or just a prediction or, or what? Just want to know who you, who you like, who you like. I, I've been kind of battling with it. I, I like the Dodgers. You know, I haven't seen the Dodgers win a world series and I was two when it happened last time, almost three. James Franklin is on ESPN now looking like a doofus. So I'm going to record that for later. And I really hope, I know I just asked about baseball, but I will say this. I really hope that uh, the OSU beats Penn state. So you know, I'll I'll say that real quick, and I like the Dodgers. So I want to know who you wanted to see win, 
And, uh, yeah, I really want to beat Penn State. <laughs> I just – I don't think I've ever won an OSU game outside of a Michigan game this bad. So, I mix college football with the World Series. But that's how we roll sometimes in the Yardro show. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, World Series thoughts, well, man. Who do you like? Yeah, well, so, I, I'll be honest. I My priority is the game, is the series ending. I want it to end in four games because I want to just get the season over with and move to the offseason. The Indians have a ton of important decisions that have to be made, um, you know, two couple of big options, specifically with Michael Brantley and Josh Tomlin, that they have to decide if they're going to pick up um, three days after the World Series decision has to be made at that point. So uh, I, I'd like it to be a sweep to whoever wins. Um, I am going to go with the Astros, though. I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I don't feel strongly at all, to be clear. Don't feel strongly at all about this. But, uh, but I am going to go with the Astros. I think uh, I think the Astros, by adding Justin Verlander, with him and Dallas Keuchel, and Dallas Keuchel gets to start game one and Verlander game two, so you're getting your, your two best pitchers to start games one and two. So, yeah, there's an advantage having Kershaw there, but I feel like the, the Astros have enough pitching, and they clearly have the better hitting. I mean, nothing against the Dodgers, but the Astros have an insane lineup, very, very deep. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think they get it done, but I, I wouldn't be surprised by any result. Um, I, you know, teams are very close. So, again, you know, don't have, uh, you know, don't have a strong opinion either way. But, yeah, I can tell you specifically I'll be rooting for whoever win games, wins game one because uh, I want the series to end as quickly as possible. That's, that's what I want. <laughs> so, um, and, yeah, I agree with you that, that this Penn State game does feel bigger. It does feel larger than a lot of games, and uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing it. And uh, you know, let's, uh, let's go, go get a W. Yeah, man. Well, we've only got about three three and a half minutes left on the show. It's been a lot of fun. I mean, we've already done this pretty much the whole hour, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, did, did a lot of catching up. It's been a while since we had done one of these. So pretty much, man, like whatever you'd like to hit up the last three minutes. Floor's yours. Haven't talked any uh, NFL yet, so I don't know if you wanted to hit that or anything else that was on your mind here. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll, I'll cover one thing that I wrote to my good friend Zach Meisel. I wrote about this to him. Uh, wrote a question. He's gonna gonna talk about it. But real quick, baseball analytics. I, I've gotten to the point where I've become very frustrated with you know baseball people. Uh, they're people who are 100% completely loyal to analytics and and there's great value to analytics. It's extremely important. I've gotten into it. And then you have the people who are 100% about instinct and about, you know, uh, traditional baseball. And they are, you know, screw statistics. Stats don't have anything to do with games. So that, it, I've gotten to the point where I'm very frustrated that there can't be, uh, you know, the consensus that both are important. Instincts are important. St- statistics are important. And both sides are extremely pretentious and very annoying. And I wanted Zach's opinion. I really look forward. And I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do an, an unpaid plug, The Athletic. Uh, if you're a fan of Cleveland sports, Ohio State, um, any of their other cities I can't speak to, but I know they've got Ken Rosenthal um, writing for them, who's a great writer for baseball, and uh, Stuart Mandel they added for college uh, sports. So the, 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 there's a, a ton of talent The Athletic has, and, I, and uh, it's worth paying the little amount of money to, to go there. So I'll throw a plug in for Zach and for them and Ari Wasserman, another friend of mine who does a tr- great job covering Ohio state. So that's, uh, that's all I got. Awesome, man. And uh, if anybody wants, anybody wants to talk football at any time, you can check us out at 24 seven sports where uh, no one here probably likes the Steelers. So <laughs> probably more Clevelanders out there, but uh crazy season for them so far. Uh, you know, five and two, feeling good. You know, I mean, New England is still there. You know, and it's just like they're just – they're the team that they have to prove themselves against. So, you know, we'll see if they do it. Uh, you know, it's been a fun team to cover so far, though. You know, uh, Cleveland gave them a, a crazy good game in the opener, uh, and, and they've kind of, you know, fought back. So, interesting team. You know, uh, my job forces me to watch football more than I honestly probably – would if I didn't have this job so it's kind of kept me close to the team I grew up loving kind of been distant from them in recent years until the last couple of years so you know just uh every day there's something new in the NFL it's it's insane uh props again that Joe Thomas kind of started the podcast before Brian jumped on kind of giving props to him and 
you know, uh, as, a, as a long fan, I know you know Joe Hayden, and I've grown, grown to really like him since he's come over here. So, you know, maybe we'll do more NFL next time uh, on the show. But for Brian, this is the other Brian signing off. It's been a lot of fun, man. we got to do this again soon. And uh, it's always, always, always a great day to be a Buckeyes fan. Go Bucks on Saturday. Yep, go Bucks. See you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.